Welcome to the Deep Light Podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. This is a space for community, healing, hope, and education around topics of rescue and growth. Our prayer for this series is that it illuminates a deeper understanding of struggles within and around us, as well as God's profound love and redemptive light in Jesus Christ. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Mark Davis, and I want to welcome you to Deep Light. I serve as one of the pastors of Park City's Presbyterian Church, and we love the opportunity to um, share a little bit of our life together on particular topics. And as the summer of 2022 approaches, uh, and new rhythms start with the kiddos being out of school and certain changes in people's lives, just the season changing, we are going to focus on rest. What does it mean to take time to be still. What does it look like to be still in a world that's so addicted to activity? And we're going to talk about that and how those rhythms can really begin to be a blessing in our life. I'm joined today by three women who have actually been in our church for a good bit of time and have been on something we call silent retreats, which we do a few times a year, which is very interesting. And if you've never done one, you're going to hear a little bit what they're like. But more than just the retreats, we're going to talk about how do we maintain rhythms of rest, stillness, and prayer, quiet, solitude in our lives. So I think you will be very blessed. I'm going to ask Mary if she'd start just by introducing herself, and then we'll move around the table. Hello, Mary Springer. I am married to Tim Springer. I have three wonderful boys, Hank, who's about to finish third, Sam, who's about to finish first, and David, um, who is six. And I've been at this church since second grade. Uh-huh. I was in high school when Mark came. He was my high school pastor for a while. Yeah, so much fun. And here we are still. And here we are. We're still here. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, that's a miracle. You know, not for you, but for me. You know, so I love it. Sarah. And I'm Sarah Wood, and I came with the split, so started with this church. And I have three grown children. One's getting married next week. And... My youngest son, I have twins, but I do have a youngest son, uh, was in high school when you came. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I fun. remember so Started fun. the New York trip. <laughs> That's right, one of the first things I did. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. I'm Victoria Webster, and I'm married to Frank Webster, and I have two grown stepdaughters, mm-hmm. and we've been members for about nine years. I think mm-hmm. it's getting close to 10. Have you been in the choir the whole time? Um, most of it. Yeah. And then yeah. Frank joined me too. We yeah. were originally, we were at Providence mm-hmm. um, for a while. That's uh, Frank and I met when we were attending there. And when we it came time to get married, um, it was meeting in the middle school. Mm-hmm. So and you needed a place to get married. Uh, yeah. And I said, I'm not getting married on a middle school stage. <laughs> so we actually got married here and met Jay Marty at that time. Mm-hmm. And that was 13 years ago. So. Well, I'm so grateful that you all would give up some time to share a little bit with us about your life, particularly as it relates to the topic of rest. Now, why do you think we need rest. You know, how do you experience that in your own life as a young mom? Um, how do you experience it as somebody caring for their mom? How do you experience it as, as wives? You know, all those things. How is it that you guys just see the world we're in, the desperate need that we have for rest? Mm-hmm. Anybody can go. Victoria? Yeah, I feel like it would be good to say that um, 10 years ago, if someone 
if you'd ask someone to describe me, the very last thing they would describe is someone who rested. I was at extreme, by nature, very hyper-driven, achievement-oriented by mm -hmm. upbringing and nature, mm -hmm. and just very, never could sit still, literally running around the house to get things done. And um, about 10 years ago, and I was working in a job where I was really working, I think, close to 80 hours a week. Wow. And... I loved my work. Did that and work? Did that feel normal? Like it, it hours? was the culture. Normal. It was yeah, the culture yeah. of the type of work that I was in. Mm -hmm. So it was expected. Mm -hmm. It wasn't unusual. Mm -hmm. It was actually required. Mm -hmm. And I actually had just a complete, I think, physical, mental, and spiritual breakdown. Mm. I had a migraine that lasted a month. Wow. And my doctor took me she wrote me a note and said you must leave work mm -hmm. and a lot of things happened I don't it's probably not a good time to get into all the details mm -hmm. but I never was able to go back to work mm. so I think that the Lord actually made me lie down in green pastures mm -hmm. as we talked about once and it's been a process of 10 years learning what that looks like to be at peace with that. So. so let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. You use a phrase, the Lord made me uh, lie down in green just, pastures. Just from quoting scripture, yeah. Right, so Psalm 23. Yeah. You know, how long into that journey of that breakdown did, mm. you, did you realize this is God's grace oh. in my life? Was that immediate or was that mm -mm. something that took time? Could you talk about that a little bit? You bet. It took, it was extremely difficult because that's what showed me my, uh, the idol that my career was, mm -hmm. that it had been to me when that was taken away. Even though I thought, oh, my identity is child of God. Mm -hmm. I, it was an idol that I was pretty blind to. And um, I ended up going on disability, which had a lot of baggage for mm -hmm. me. So it was years of why, Lord, I don't understand this, Lord. Mm -hmm. Heal me, Lord you know, this thorn in the flesh, take this thorn in the flesh away. And gosh, you know, I think it's really only in the last few years that I've truly been able to rest in it and accept it and see. It it's taken at least six or seven years for me to look back and see what the Lord's been doing. It's been a long process. But that, that's okay, right? Yeah. That's one of the reasons we love this this venue of deep light is yeah. it's it's a conversation. Like, I did not know that about you. Yeah. You've been on several silent retreats with us. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you begin to see the way the Lord graciously moves. And it's rarely all at once. Mm -hmm. He has the power to do it all at once. But God loves process. He loves showing mm -hmm. us his new mercies every morning, um, his grace, obviously, throughout the day. But he does take us on these journeys where he's telling us who he is, reminding us his promises, rescuing us over and over again. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily from the place of salvation, but you know, not like continuing to be saved, but continuing to grow in the understanding of how much mm -hmm. he really loves us. So we'll, we'll come back to that in a mm -hmm. little bit. What, are, what about you all in terms of other ways in which you see just we need rest. We are just as people that God has made desperate for that. You have thoughts? Well, we are made to need rest. I mean, mm -hmm. we have to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. we, our bodies can't go forever without having some sort of physical breakdown that mm -hmm. you can see and experience. We are commanded by scripture to rest, mm -hmm. um, to observe the Sabbath. Uh, one of the 
I just love that Jesus modeled for us what it's like to rest, to get away and pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think I spend a lot of my time thinking about when I go on these silent retreats is how Jesus, Jesus did this. Yeah. It's so wonderful. I mean, he who was God needed this time away to pray and to rest. He, um, I mean, he probably could have gone on forever, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. He, that was special to him. He, um, so I make it a priority in my life because I know I need it. I cannot um, go forever without rest. I love the way, Mary, that you described um, Christ doing it. And there, I think sometimes people are like, well, why did he need it? Mm-hmm. And I think we forget because he was 100% human. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was hungry. He was thirsty. He was tired. Um, and he also spiritually needed that abiding presence with the Father in an intimate way, away from the, no- from the noise and distraction. And he often would move at a time when I think his disciples were probably shocked. Why now? Where are you? All these people need you. But he knew what was the greater reality, right? I need to be with the Father yeah. so that I can come and meet the needs of the people. So, and it is clear physically, right? We know it. We hit our limits. We, we hit walls. But I do, I do think sometimes people think um, needing rest is weakness, yeah. right? And oh, I think yeah. one of the things I, in our culture. Yeah, I hope today mm-hmm. that those watching will hear that, first of all, rest is not easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it is not. Secondly, rest is not laziness. You know, in fact, silent retreats, as we'll talk about in a little bit, are very hard. It's hard work. They're not just passive. Um, Sarah, how about you? How, do you? how do you see and feel the need for rest? I am... <clears throat> by nature, a bit of an introvert. Mm -hmm. So resting, I'm a fifth child. So um, resting is kind of my mode of operandi. Um, So I, well, one thing you said is that you, you, we we kind of equate resting with laziness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times I get that guilt of laziness Mm -hmm. and my issue is more striving. you know, I, I find myself striving to to be the person I think other people want me to be. Mm. And so I need to rest from that. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. In a lot of ways. So. Do you think that's a big deal in our culture? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you laugh because we know it. It's like, oh, exactly. it's, every, it's the oxygen we breathe. Exactly. And I love that you brought that up. Just, I need to rest, mm. cease striving, cease striving from that. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. Most people see me and would say he's an extrovert. And I'm not. I'm actually introverted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get my energy from being with large groups of people, but I know how to do it. Right. But mm-hmm. going back to what you said about being who you think you're supposed to be or what other people want. When I first got, um, when we was, me and Christina were getting married, we did the Myers-Briggs test like everyone else. And that was uh, 31 years ago today. So our anniversary is today. Oh, congratulations. May 18th. Yeah, for those who don't know what day it is. But <laughs> um, when we took the Myers-Briggs, I didn't score one introverted point. Really? Mm-mm, because I answered it the way I thought people, I, I thought you had to be an extrovert to be a pastor. Oh. So I answered it. And I didn't know I was doing that. Yeah. But later on, yeah. with good counsel, I began to realize I don't get my energy from being in front of people all the time. I get it from being alone. Mm-hmm. And that was very interesting because I, um, I think a lot of times people have that mislabeled in terms of what they think. Absolutely. I think people would think I'm extroverted and I'm extremely introverted too. Yeah. It really is a source of where does, where do you get energy? Where yeah. does that come from? And ultimately from the Lord, because there are true extroverts. Like my wife actually scores more 
on the extroverted side than I do, and nobody would think that about her because she's behind the scenes all the time. Mm -hmm. So anyway, there's a lot to talk about, and you can see it moves very quickly mm -hmm. from just one little topic of rest to all kinds of things about identity and mm -hmm. obedience to the Lord and what he's commanded with the Sabbath. So let's talk a little bit about the way in which silent retreats specifically have been a part of your life. Now, most of the people watching have probably never heard of a silent retreat and have probably never been on one. Okay. Our church started doing these, I don't know, maybe eight years ago or something like that. Yeah. I'd gone on a sabbatical myself to study what would it look like to bring silent retreats to our church. And the idea is that you would spend three or four days in silence with nothing but your Bible and a journal, and you guys have all been on them, so you know what this is like, um, except for maybe half an hour a day where you would talk to somebody who's guiding you. So for those watching and listening, that's the nature. And this isn't a promotion you know, mm -hmm. podcast for the retreats, though we would love for people to come, and we'll, we'll share at the end how you could even sign up. But it really is showing how these deep seasons of rest can profoundly change normal ordinary rhythms of, of daily life. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So let's start with the retreats though. Um, how, many have, how many times have you been on them, particularly the ones when we've gone to Colorado? I know you've all been multiple times. Mm -hmm. So Mary, I'll start with you. Eight. Eight? Mm. You may have the record or close to it. I've been on every single one since 2017. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that. And you're you know, a young mom, children, so obviously your husband sees the value of this in your life and yeah. helps make that happen, yes, he does. which is really sweet. Sarah, how many have you been on? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot. I only know because I counted earlier today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many I've been on either, yeah. but it's a yeah. lot. I might be up there seven or so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's five. Five for me. Yeah. Yeah. So when you first it. heard about them, mm -hmm. uh, what, what went through your mind? Was this like, I can't wait, or I don't know if I can do this, or, you know, what happened? Mm. I think I was, I was really intrigued. I was really drawn to it, and I really loved the mountains. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that just sounds like, that sounds good. I felt, I felt like that was, that I was led to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think I had some trepidation about it. Mm -hmm. I did have some fear about what it would be like. My main fear was that, and I, and I know that I've heard a lot of people say this, is I'm going to get alone with the Lord and I'm just going to have this overwhelming sense of all of my sins yeah. and that they're just going to come and, you know, I, and I was, I was afraid that that's what was going to happen. Yeah. And it was a lot of people so feel that much way. the opposite. Mm -hmm. First time. Mm -hmm. A lot of people feel that way. Yeah. yeah. And I would just want to speak to anyone. I think it, I, whenever I bring it up with people, I think one of the first things they say is, oh, I could never do that. I hear that all the time. And really behind that is that I'm, I, I don't want to do that. I'm like, I don't think I'd be comfortable doing that kind of a bit of fear. Mm -hmm. And it is an amazing thing that I know that we've all experienced. And I've heard you say this, Mark, is that one of the most common things people say once they go on one is, I never knew God loved me that yeah. much. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was definitely, we can get back to that later, but I was, I was definitely drawn to it and was... But at the same time sober about what is this going to yes, mean? Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. and just, un, it was so unexpected mm -hmm. how powerful, how powerfully supported I felt by mm -hmm. the Lord. I'll, I want to come back to that phrase in a little bit. Yeah. Sarah, how about you? When you first signed up, what was going through your mind? I signed up 
and I was excited about it. <laughs> You're an introvert. Because <laughs> I'm an introvert, and I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> three days of being silent and yeah. by myself sounds awesome. Um, yeah, and I would, of course, I was talking to my kids, and they just all died laughing. Um, but my daughter made the point. She said, Mom, I never have a moment of silence. So she's, she's got three little girls, mm -hmm. and she said, even when I'm in the car by myself, I've got the radio going, and she said, I have no silence. Mm -hmm. And so you realize the value of not, not just being silent yourself, but just I was reading um, Paul Tripp this morning, great book that he just wrote, and just talking about how we're scared, like you said, mm -hmm. to, to confront a holy God and, mm -hmm. and not have those distractions mm -hmm. that we put mm -hmm. in our lives. Um, yeah. And the enemy really doesn't want us to go. Well, the exactly. He's very happy with us having mm -hmm. that fear. Yeah, and, and can yeah, yeah, and maintaining that fear, and yet you realize, yeah, that you do need to just unplug. And you know, I'm, I'm an intro, a rebellious uh, introvert because you know you told us that first time, you know, don't take any other materials besides mm -hmm. your Bible and mm -hmm. your journal, you know. And you're like, okay, but this, you know, Paul Tripp book is really yeah. good. That could, you know, inspire me. You know, just all that, and just really letting go of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it speaks to that striving in me one more time. But uh, yeah, so it was, it was great. Yeah. You know, before I get to you, Mary, one of the reasons, or people always ask, why can't I bring mm -hmm. a book or a study Bible even? Um, or why can't I listen to music? Music ministers to me so much. God speaks to me in music. True. Or we're on one of the best rivers in Colorado to fly fish. I am always relaxed and listening when I fly fish. And I'm like, well, the reason is because the enemy can use so many things, even good things, to keep us from being distracted. I'm sorry, to cause us to be distracted. And I said, so often what will happen is we'll live vicariously through someone else someone else's experience as we read oh, yeah. about their own silence or mm -hmm. their own prayer as yes. opposed to doing the hard work of surrender, mm -hmm. which is what it's really about. I've got to surrender even to the the, the rules that they're asking, like putting the phone away, yeah. Yeah, being on, you know. And it's it's challenging, because that's yeah. real. And some people would say, I'm, I'm addicted to this afterwards. Like I, I always tell people, we used to not have signal up there, but now you can get signal up there. And yeah. I said, so if you can't resist, then you need to bring me your phone. And usually by the end of the retreat, there'll be four or five phones mm -hmm. in my cabin in a drawer. And sometimes I'll hear them go off, you know, and I don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just amazing how much we are just afraid of what we might hear or what we go, what we go right, crazy. Right, it's a way to hide. Yeah. Hide yeah. behind it anything. Is. It yeah. is. I it think people can feel a sense of panic. Mm -hmm. I think it's very real, mm -hmm. you know, that it's what will I do without this? Yeah. And as you say, I, I question, it's like, oh, I, I know that Mark has a good reason for this. And, right. But I was rebelling against it too. And now after, I can see. And that's been so helpful for me in setting up, as I'm sure we'll talk about as we go, mm -hmm. setting up those times of silence and rest for myself now. Yeah. Is Not using that template and... Mm -hmm having that pattern and remembering what that's like mm -hmm. and how important it is that's that's been real instrumental for yeah. me well mary what about you what yeah. what was going through your mind when you first signed up i know you're an introvert too what was going through your mind and what what other fears do you hear people you sure. give as excuses so we i kind of stumbled upon it mm -hmm. um 
Tim and I had just gone through a season where we had three boys in three years, mm -hmm. and uh, that spring our baby had just turned one, and I, I was kind of in over in over my head, and mm -hmm. uh, Tim wanted to give me some sort of break, and <laughs> somehow we decided that whatever the next women's retreat at the church would be, I would do whatever it was, and it just happened that to be a silent retreat. It's not that I really so sought it out. Like, I, oh, wow. It's just what happened. And we, we signed me up. Um, Tim was so sweet. Watched the boys the whole time we were gone. Mm -hmm. or, yeah, the group was gone. Um, and that first, like, I was changed that first silent retreat. Mm -hmm. I had always been a believer, worked, walked very closely with the Lord, but I, I was just really tired and didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I didn't even have time to be fearful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, you know, showed up with my, myself and my Bible. And it, uh, it was, just the most amazing experience with Jesus. He was just so loving. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could start crying right now. Exactly. How much love the Lord just sheds on us during this time mm -hmm. um, yes. when we are just open and surrendered to him. And it, there, sometimes there's some hard things too. Mm -hmm. But overall, I mean, that's one thing I feel like mm -hmm. the closing day, at least for the women, we have a meeting yeah. right after we've had our worship service, breaking silence, and mm -hmm. we talk about whoever wants to can talk about their experience mm -hmm. and just yeah. I mean most people what they say is just I had no idea I was loved so much exactly. I just felt so loved this whole time and God is so amazing that it, we are all these women are all there same place doing the same thing but he so individualizes our experience mm -hmm. yes. giving us exactly what we oh, need yeah. um, it's, it's just really cool to watch it's not really cool not only to experience but to see God working and all these women's hearts and loving on them, it's beautiful. Yeah. It is. So one of the first things that happens is um, when we get there, usually it's like a Thursday and people kind of get settled. Everybody has their own cabin, our own room, at least sometimes there's lodge rooms that people are in. And then we have a dinner. We have a meal together and we kind of go over the rules. And depending on the size of the group, it's either one big group or maybe splits into two. Mm -hmm. And then people make a vow of silence. And so from that point on, for those listening, you're not to talk to one another. So even when we come for, we have you know meals each day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When you come into the lodge to eat, the only thing you hear is instructions about the meal and then the word of God being read. Mm -hmm. So whoever's leading will give three different people a few passages to read. So you just hear the word of God read, maybe some instructions, but no long devotion or sermonettes. Then you go back into your silence. Um, so that happens the first night, all day Friday, all day Saturday. And then what Mary was referencing is that we come back in yeah. and we have a time where we break the vow of silence. And that's often in the chapel um, where we may have communion. And then there's a time of feasting. And then what did you hear? Or what was your experience? Mm -hmm. And I remember the very first one we did, it was with elders in our church, um, men that I thought could perhaps eventually help lead these. Um, and that's what happened. And it was interesting. My 13-year-old son, we were homeschooling him at the time, and he was with us. And I said, you know, you, you don't have to stay for this part if you want to. He was like, no, I want, I want to. Well, it lasted two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And it was only about eight men. And they shared over and over again. Oh. And that was the theme. The very first elder who spoke, I believe he was first, was John Bateman, one of the elders in our church. And John said, I had no idea that God loved me this much. Oh. And that's the theme that continues to run through, which, you know, we don't necessarily say that ahead of time. Um, we could, it doesn't matter, because God's going to make that message very, very clear. You are my beloved daughters. You are my beloved yeah. son, which is really powerful. Sometimes people are like, well, and I always tell them, by 
early morning, it could be six, could be eight, you may be so tired you sleep a lot, but whenever you wake up and you begin to have time with the Lord, you are gonna have the longest quiet time of your life. <laughs> And then you're gonna look at the clock and go, and it's only 9 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and it's only day one, right? Right. And so people are like, I can't do this. And I always tell them, I might be introverted, but I'm hyperactive for sure in the mind, manic almost. Mm -hmm. So if I can do this, anybody can do it. Mm -hmm. And I mean it. And my first one was 10 days. And it was not even with a group. It was me and one man named Gunther in North Carolina and mm. his wife. And it was remarkable, hard, but beautiful yeah. in every way. So when you start that first morning and you're in the Bible, that's where some of these people get overwhelmed. Yeah. I don't know where to start, etc. Talk about some of the places God's oh, yeah. taken you all in the scriptures and how he has, you know, revealed himself to you through word and spirit. Oh, I'd, I would, if, I would love ahead. to address that because the first silent retreat that I went on, it, it, it did transform my life and it transformed my relationship with the Lord and it transformed my relationship with scripture. That was the first experience that I've ever had of how actually living and active the Word of God is. Mm -hmm. And I felt like Scripture was reading me, mm -hmm. that it was reflecting me and being led through the Scripture. Mm -hmm. Scripture coming to mind and then turning to that place in Scripture and finding how it linked to other things that I'd been praying about yeah. and how it linked to itself. Mm -hmm. And it was, it just, it's like a movie, like the words became like filled with light and yeah. jumping off the page. Just that kind of immersion with scripture and it's just the fact that it really is living and mm -hmm. active. And that it just made me fall in love with the word of God yeah. even more. That's really powerful. I love the way you said it transformed my relationship with the word, it, with the scriptures. Which that's I haven't heard somebody say it quite like that, which is really beautiful. That's, mm -hmm. that's really fun. It has. It has really transformed me. And actually, I found now that that helps me rest so much. When mm -hmm. I think about resting, it's so intertwined with prayer and the word mm -hmm. that that's become a part of that too. And maybe that's, that's a big theme that we'll come back to in a moment yeah. about how the word is alive. So mm. it's not just alive in Colorado. It's not no. just alive when you're on retreat. It's alive always. Mm. It is living and the word tells us that. And it really does become that anchor that so often can help calm the mind in moments of great stress yeah. or, you know, even in a moment when the, you know, the exterior around me is quiet now, you know, I've, taking time to be somewhere where nobody's going to bother me but the interior now is really screaming it's really loud and the quietness of scripture helps kind of anchor us there oh, yeah. Sarah how about you what are some places the Lord's taken you while on one of your silent retreats <clears throat> well I don't know I, I laugh because I think of um, it really wasn't the first silent retreat because I was somewhere else but and I can remember one time just lying there, you know, wanting God to speak to me. You know, mm -hmm. you're like waiting. And he doesn't come the way you think he's going to come. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, in a, in, well, really the first retreat, uh, Victoria was talking about the pressure of sharing, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and really, they don't even tell you. I don't think that we're going to share at the end. Maybe mm -hmm. they do, but yeah. um, it, and that you can. It's yeah, and it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Always, always optional. 
But I remember the, my first retreat, I was like, oh gosh, we're gonna have to share something. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just dove into this psalm and rebellious person that I am, I'm sure I used my phone for, um, to look up Greek words because I <laughs> love, love that and I can't you read too? it without, oh gosh, I know, no. I can't read it without looking up words. So anyway, so I, I had just heard this girl at um, SMU do um, spoken word poems. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know, my, I, I just love that. So mm. I took this psalm and made it a spoken word poem, which was great. It was a little contrived on my part, I must say. But <clears throat> I'm like, Lord, I don't think I got anything. I mean, mm. I love the time, you know, and to me, the community part of it is as good as the silent part. Which but is amazing because you're silent most of the we're time. Silent that, I think that, that's something people don't realize. Is there actually is a great deal of community and yeah. fellowship. Oh, it, yeah. it is just so cool. But anyway, so then a month or so later, uh, my sister-in-law passed away and just being up with my brother, that poem was what I needed to speak forth. Mm -hmm. And it was oh. like, Lord, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It just was so perfect and it was, you know, pre-designed. Yeah. So that's really sweet. Yeah. He didn't waste any of that. He didn't waste no. any uh -uh. of it. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't see it at the time. That's how yeah. too. Yeah. That's like ah oh, months later, years later. Uh -huh. and, so, and sometimes you you talked about the thought of having to share and I know for some people and I always say this with the groups I lead be careful of expectation anxiety yeah. especially mm -hmm. if you've been once before had a transformation mm -hmm. um, you're like okay this I hope this happens again it's got to happen again it's like you know my first long silent retreat Gunther was very kind to say you know you're off the hook let God have his way with you that was kind of his his line just avail yourself of the means of grace and um, because I've had a number of, I've obviously been on a lot of these retreats, and every time God's met me in a powerful way, but it's never really been the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, I remember one of the most powerful times was the last morning, and I was pretty disappointed. I was like, I don't, I just don't think I've really gotten much from this time. And that morning, it was pretty early still, it was, a, it was Monday morning, so we'd already broken silence. Um, and I heard all the things that God had done. That morning, the Lord made it very clear using, and he often will use a word, and it was the word dread, that you are living in dread. And I hadn't thought about that, and all of a sudden it was just very powerful. And so it's the opposite of dread, you know, and so just as I was praying and looking through the scriptures, I began to see that. Then I spoke with one of the men who were on the retreat with me who had just been through a long battle with cancer, and I talked about dread. And he just looked at me, he's like, you want me to tell you about dread? Mm. You know, and it was just perspective, you know, that all of a sudden he was able to share with me on the ride to the airport, which was where the most powerful part took place. So uh -huh. it wasn't even in the mountains. It was uh -huh. in a bus mm. heading to the airport. So God just, he, he's going to be faithful. Yeah. We just don't know how he's going to be faithful. Yeah. How about for you, Mary? What are some of the things, places the Lord's taken you into the scriptures or wherever to just show you that? Well, for me, I have little kids at home mm -hmm. who still wake up early and I never... I mean, for years now, <laughs> I never get to pray as long as I want to or about all the things I want to. Mm -hmm. I never get to spend as much time in scripture just 
soaking in it, abiding in it. Um, so when I go on these silent retreats, it's like, fun, you know, I, I, I really try to be open mm -hmm. um, and surrendered and not come with a to-do list. And the Lord is so gracious. He knows I want to be praying all about all these things. And mm -hmm. he brings them to mind and allows me to work through them. But what I'm trying to get at is, it's just um, my time to just pray about everything. And not just like all these things, but then to go deeply into each thing that's on my heart that mm -hmm. I've been carrying around. Mm -hmm. And God is so patient and gracious and talks to me about every single little detail. Mm -hmm. And I really look forward to that because I need that. Mm -hmm. um, as a young mom, mm -hmm. I, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on every day. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot to pray about. And I, like I said, I just don't get enough time to pray about each little thing. Yeah. And I think, th I think that's a great thing to talk about for a minute because <clears throat> when you become married, things change. When you become a parent, things change. And if you're already a believer, you've had certain rhythms in your life already which suddenly have changed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just reality. And sometimes we try to apply the same template, the same schedule, the same rhythms, and it's just not a reality. And you'll, you'll know my wife, Christina, we've had, we have five kids. And I remember her struggling because we had, she, we had three right away. So two, four and six, you know, or, you know, when we moved here. So they're just two years apart. And all of a sudden she's like, I just can't do the Bible study. I can't do these things. And she began to realize in this season, it's okay. So what can I do? And that's where I began to say, well, ask the Lord, like do it with him. Even the plan, what is your plan for me? Lord, the Lord, how do you want this to happen? And, um, and it's really interesting because it, it transitioned into, well, this is the way I used to do it. Mm -hmm. This is the way he's leading me to do it now, which really began to be kind of the Brother Lawrence practice the presence of God mm. all day long when you're changing the diaper, when you're you know, putting them down, when you're just taking a moment to get a little bit of rest because you're physically exhausted, practice the presence of God. And that became a rhythm that was really sweet. But the necessity of the oasis is what I'm going to call it. This time where you can go away and drink long and hard. Mm -hmm. My, the man who led me to Christ and then mentored me used to say, life is going through a desert. It's hot, it's dry, it's hard. Then you're going to see an oasis. And when you get to that oasis, drink long and hard because you're about to head back into the journey that can be very, very challenging, very difficult. And I think that's what these, these retreats are, that they're that time of just, okay, I am really going to soak this up. And he's going to give me everything I need yeah, it's really important to say this over and over again. God is omnipresent. So when you leave a special mm -hmm. place, whether it's, you know, an hour from here in, you know, a retreat area or, you know, 15 hours from here in Colorado, he's omnipresent. He's the same God there as he is here mm -hmm. versus somewhere else. True? Oh, yeah. But those places are really brilliant. They're really a gift when we can go and drink long and hard mm -hmm. like that. So, so let's talk a little bit about returning. And um, because this obviously isn't just about silent retreats, we're going to talk about rest over the next four or five weeks. How has God been moving in your life to teach you about the rhythms of rest, you know, kind of week to week, day to day, from one retreat to the next, which might be a year later? Mm -hmm. What are some of the rhythms that you've learned and how do you practice that? I'd love to hear that. I know you have them. <laughs> yes, yeah, there's a, there are a few. Um, it's definitely having those experiences on the retreats. And I love what you I've heard you say, Mark, that it's a danger to think that 
well, I'm going to go back to my real life yeah. now. But actually what happens when we have the chance to actually be with the Lord in that, in a way, it's, I, it's like going out into the darkness if you, and you're camping and you just are in the pitch black and you can't see anything, you can't see the stars. These retreats allow your eyes to adjust, your mm. spiritual eyes. That's good. That's really good. And then it's, look at these stars. They've been here all along. And I didn't know that they were there, mm-hmm. but not, but having my spiritual eyes adjusted in this quiet, I can see these things. And then taking that back, that's actually more real. Mm-hmm. That's more real. Mm-hmm. It is. You're right. And then going back to our, you know, our everyday lives, it's having had that experience. It's so powerful and helpful to know that that's, that's possible and to desire that mm-hmm. and to work toward how do I find these respites? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a big oasis, but how do I learn how to, Angie Tingle said, rest on the run. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that can, I, scripture for me and memorizing scripture and just having it running in the background mm-hmm. has been, I've just found that to be a really powerful practice. Mm-hmm. Um, also, even just, uh, you know, it's, it's very paradoxical to say that we're going to actively not do something yeah yeah you know but that's that's what we have to do is sort of set Mm -hmm. up actively set up a time of not doing and um sometimes that's just a few hours if my husband goes out of town i think oh that's an opportunity Mm -hmm. i'm just going to try to block everything off turn off the distractions sometimes it's really hard i'm not Mm going to do anything but just i'm going to have some time with the lord Mm -hmm. or even setting aside one day a month to when you can just or half a day you know anything that we can do like that i think can it restores us in ways that are so deep yeah that's good that's very very helpful how about you all Mm. what are some of the ways you have rhythms that you know maintain in between these well one thing that i've learned from these silent retreats is that silence doesn't have to be scary Mm -hmm. yeah um so I have kids with me, but it feels like all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but when I do have breaks, I, I try not to, you know, automatically turn on the radio or the TV or whatever, but actually look for my times of silence during the day and soak in them and enjoy them because in order to pray continually, I really need those periods of silence. Um, it's really hard to be in prayer if there's all these distractions mm-hmm. going on. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm in a season right now where it's hard to find those times yeah. of rest unless it's actually getting away. Yeah, and that's, and that's okay. You mm-hmm. know, I think part of it is that that's the physical reality, and then we do whatever we can to make those adjustments. And it could be even simple things, like how you look at your schedule, where are those places that might exist for silence. Mm-hmm. Um, recognize it might not be the same as somebody who doesn't have young children right mm-hmm. now. That's not better or worse, it's just a reality. Mm-hmm. But it could also be practical. Like, for example, I, um, I use noise cancellation headphones at my office because mm-hmm. I'm so distracted by any little noise from a blower, somebody blowing the, the grass, to my assistant's voice mm-hmm. um, or my, the executive director of a church's office is next to mine. I can't hear what he's saying, but I can hear that he's talking. So I put on noise cancellation headphones um, and they help, you know, because they allow that to take place. The other thing is just even in the car, it's like we don't always have to have radio on, whether it's music or talk radio. 
um, or a podcast like this, you should listen to this. Um, you know, but it's it's just we're, I do think we're addicted to noise. You know, most yeah. of us wake up with it. There's something on the radio that we look at our phone quickly. That's not necessarily audible noise, but it, it's noise, right? right? What's the email say? What's the latest, etc. So I think finding those rhythms. But one thing I would add is, and I said this already, is sometimes we try to do it in our own strength mm. oh, as opposed to saying, Lord, help me, and how would you like me to do this? What's your counsel to me? And start small. You know, If you're brand new to this, you've never heard of this, but you're desperate for it, start small. You know, Seek counsel. We can certainly help us, if you would, let us, let us enable us to do that because it's so easy to think I've got to jump into the deep end by myself, and it's not true. There's so many little things you can do. Sarah, how about for you? What are some of the rhythms of your kind of daily, weekly life? Well, I'm being a little bit convicted. <laughs> but, Thanks for the transparency. Uh, um, yeah, I am a widow, so I am by myself a lot. So being silent and having rest is, is easy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but just thinking of Mary, and, and you're talking about Brother Lawrence and that practicing mm-hmm. <coughs> the presence of God, I uh, just listened to Tish Warren, who her version of it is the liturgy of the ordinary where Mm -hmm. everything you do is coming before god Mm -hmm. and and truly resting Mm -hmm. in that you've got these little kids to take care of or you have you know Mm -hmm. all that um so truly what he's convicting me of is well and i just finished um teaching galatians and (coughs) can't remember I'm good at quoting people and, and loving what other people say because they say it so well and I just resonate with mm-hmm. how they say it. But I think maybe it was John Stott was talking about making these things habitual in our life, make, making habits. And it's a little bit of an effort on mm-hmm. our part, and yet it is. You have to let the Holy Spirit take mm-hmm. it over because as it becomes a habit, like, Victoria, you know, having that scripture running through your head mm-hmm. in the background, that I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you've got to make the effort to get it there mm-hmm. and to make that habit. Mm-hmm. And so, once again, my conviction is that I need to be more intentional mm-hmm. in making a habit of of coming before Him and and living in the peace that he's given me and the joy that he's given me and the uh, self-control, all those fruits of the spirit that are, mm-hmm. are there, that are available. Um, so, anyway. You know, one that reminded me of this, this picture, you know, when we were little and um, we had friends that lived on the block, the neighborhood, you know, you would go outside, you'd walk down to a friend's house, you'd knock on the door and you would say, can Todd come out and play? Y'all remember that? Just yeah. like, yes. and the answer is yes or no, or come on in, play here, uh-huh. whatever. Um, and I think when I, when I think of the Lord, and I think Silent Retreat really helped me understand this, is that it really is the Lord's invitation yes. of being together. Oh. You know, he's omnipresent, so he's already, he's not going to be more present yes. at one time or one place than he is because he's omnipresent. Now, how we sense his presence is different at different times, but that doesn't change his presence, right? That's a really important thing to remember. But there is this delight that God has in being with us. And I always tell people he is far more interested in you being with him than you ever will in being with him. That's powerful, that's love. It's like he wants to spend time with us. And I think a lot of times people are afraid, well, he's just gonna 
he's going to be mad at me or he's going to convict mm. me. And well, even if there's something in your life where conviction needs to come, and there is in all of our lives, the gentleness by which he brings that, oh, the yeah. love by which he comes. And all of a sudden you begin to realize, oh, this is, you know, this is a God, the God, the living God who made me, knows everything about me, can learn nothing about what I'm anxious about. The outcomes, he, he, there's nothing he can learn. He's, you know, yeah. all-knowing, omniscient. I love the image of, okay, we are going together. Wherever you want to lead me, we're going together. I'm going to yeah. do this with you, even in the spiritual disciplines. And that's something that the silent retreats changed in my life because mm -hmm. I used to think, well, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this for God. And one day, a subtle mm -hmm. shift is, are you doing it for him or are you doing it with him? Yeah. That's a big shift. If you're doing it with him, you're going to be doing it for him. But yes. we can do a lot of things for him, and it's almost like he's not even part of it, which oh, means we're right. probably not abiding as much as we think. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, yeah. yeah, very much so. I think it might be Martin Lloyd-Jones who tells a story about God's love and the different ways that we can experience that. And he talks about a father and son walking in the park and, you know, the and at one point, the father just swoops the child up in his arms and just kisses him mm. and then puts him back down on the ground and they keep on walking. The child is not the more the father's son at mm. that moment when he swoops him up and holds him. Yeah. So we're not, you know, I think that's a trap sometimes I can find myself falling. It's not that I'm more connected to Christ or the, my union with Christ is stronger. Mm -hmm. Our experience of it, as you were saying earlier, mm -hmm. can change. and sometimes in those moments. But I like, too, what you said, too, you know, ex expectations can be, we don't want to set expectations yeah. for people. And you say, one day with the Lord is not necessarily sweeter than the next. Right. I've heard you say that on retreats. And I think that's very important for us to realize that there are those rhythms of sometimes he can feel very close. Sometimes we, you know, listen and we just keep listening and watching. Yeah, we tend to think sometimes he's more intimate and more present when we're on the mountain peak as right. opposed to in the valley, which right. I think if you've walked with the Lord long enough, it's really in the valley where you oh, begin yeah. to really sense his, his presence kind of in the midst of that, of that mm. pain. Oh, yeah. And that's, that, that's the journey that we're on. You know, I say this sometimes because I quote my old pastor in St. Louis, um, you know, you're either in a crisis, <laughs> coming out of a crisis, or heading towards a crisis. Mm -hmm. And prayer, being in the word, praying scripture, Victoria talked about that a little bit ago, makes such a difference because of the way in which it, it anchors us. Okay. And really, I'd love to kind of spend the last part of our time talking about meditation. Mm -hmm. And meditation is a very biblical term and a very biblical idea. You know, Joshua was told when he was succeeding Moses, you know, do not let this book of law depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So when I was led to Christ in June of 82, um, I, w I received a Bible, just a brown NIV pew Bible. Um, I think it was $12.95 and what a treasure. I still have it. And then I, a topical memory system by Navigators and the Young Life leader, Tom Miller, said, I want you to memorize these two verses a week. So I think what I just quoted, uh, I memorized when I was 15 and a half. It was maybe the third or fourth verse in that mm -hmm. series. And that word meditation. Do not let this book of all depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Well, I had no idea what meditation meant. I had no idea. And I didn't know for a long, long, long time what it meant. But meditation is chewing on something, thinking about something, um, 
just letting it mull over in your mind, your heart and mind over and over and over again. And a lot of Christians don't know what it means. They tend to think immediately of something that's like new age or mm-hmm. Eastern religion and it's not. And so one of the ways I've helped people understand what meditation is, and you may have seen me do this at churches. How many of you know how to meditate? Most nobody raises their hand. How many of you know how to worry? Every hand goes up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate because that's what worry is. It's meditating on what might not happen, what could happen, what might be wrong, what might not be wrong. Um, what can I do about it? What can I not do about it? Right? Yes. Meditation is basically transitioning that to who is God. Let's meditate on his greatness. Let's meditate on his goodness. Let's meditate on his promises over and over again and keeping those things there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So both from the place of the silent retreats to daily life mm. for you what are some of those passages or verses or even a word where you, you the lord takes you back just continually back to this particular place like an anchor and you sarah's already shared one of my favorites a minute ago i'll bring it up in a minute if you don't but um what yeah. what are some of those places oh wow for me it's psalm one mm. absolutely yeah. you know it would be like a tree planted by streams of water mm-hmm. whose leaf does not wither bears his fruit in its season, I'm getting it out of order, but oh. that picture of a tree planted by streams of water, mm-hmm. the living water, and being anchored and able to withstand the seasons of drought, which, mm. you know, of affliction. Yeah. And also for me, it's, um, it was it's Psalm 119, it's good for me that I was afflicted because mm. I have mm. learned your statutes. Mm. Yeah. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Yeah. That's absolutely true for me. And that the war, it becomes the delight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that reinforcing that, you know, the more, I, the more I dwell in this, the more I actually do find my delight in this. Yeah. And it, it's just such a beautiful thing. So definitely Psalm 1 jumps to mind immediately. Yeah, I love that. Mary, how about you? I feel like each time I go on a silent retreat, the Lord leads me usually to a different scripture usually a psalm Mm -hmm. that kind of just swirls around in my mind for the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, 111 in particular is Psalm 100, which they have on the dedication plaque Mm -hmm. in the lodge. And my eye just always goes to it and I come back and um, it's so appropriate for being there in the mountains. Mm -hmm. Seeing that truth coming alive. And you know, we, in our tradition, we talk about um, specific revelation, which is the word of God. And then we talk about general revelation, yeah. which is nature. You know, it really mm-hmm. is God revealing himself in all things. And so often there will be um, a way in which God, through general revelation, through his creation, will reveal himself. You talked about streams of living water. I don't know how many times I've heard somebody quote Psalm 1, not because they were in it, but they were by the stream yeah. or a, a small creek that they didn't even know was there. And so then they hear it and they look around it and they see what's thriving, which yeah. is, is really, really sweet. Um, and then this, the majesty you know, from where does my help come? You know, it's pretty awesome. How about for you, Sarah? Well, I don't know. <laughs> 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 um, I have that Bible memory anxiety uh, <laughs> because I've got a lot of word in my heart, but uh, it just doesn't come out right. So um, all the time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What, what did I quote that you, <laughs> you are so referring to? Psalm 4610. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Be still and know Be still, that and in, in, in the Greek, it really is. Cease, when did I, did I say Cease that? striving. Yeah, so oh, cease the, striving. The, the, in the Hebrew, the word be still is a right. translation of cease, cease striving. striving. Yeah. 
And it's interesting because I think when we read Psalm 4610, which in ESV says, be still know that I'm God, we tend to think of that as um, kind of a quiet, contemplative, you know, uh-huh. whatever. You know? Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that. It's actually a military phrase. Yeah. It means drop your weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means cease striving, you know. Yeah. So you think about that. Yeah. We are hardwired to strive, especially where we live. Mm-hmm. And, and striving yes. is, you know, it's valued. It's an attribute. And silent retreats are saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to say no to this in order that I can have time alone sounds lazy or it mm-hmm. sounds like you're not trying to achieve. And I remember when Skip Ryan, years ago, I'd been here, I don't know how many years, four or five years, and he said, uh, workaholism, which he would say he was a workaholic later, not at this moment he mm-hmm. didn't, but he said, workaholism is another form of laziness. And I thought, oh, that's great. Because what he's saying is, it will keep you doing things that people will frame you for mm. and keep you from doing the things that are more important, mm. that are actually harder. Yeah. And it is much, much harder to say, I'm going to take three days, four days, whatever, and go be alone. Or I'm going to say no to this, and it might be something good. Often it's good things that keep us from the great. Yeah. I'm going to say no to this good things so that I can have this time daily or weekly alone. Mm. And I think that's really, really important. So Psalm 4610, Sarah, mm-hmm. is in my life every day. You know, there's just mm-hmm. all day long at some point, I'm like, be still, know that I'm God. Yeah. And meditation is taking each mm-hmm. one of those words, just be. So let me think about that for a minute. Still or seize, striving. Um, and then going through that slowly and know. So what is knowledge? You know, that I am God. You know, I'm not God. You know, I'm not omnipotent. I'm not omniscient. I'm not omnipresent. I'm not omni-love. I love using that phrase now. But he is. He's all those things. And then that causes the meditation of my heart to suddenly become solid, secure, comforting. And I, I like to describe it this way, that when I'm in that place, um, my heart becomes light and my feet become heavy. Ooh, when nice. I'm not in that place, my heart is heavy and my feet are light, oh, which means so I'm shifting and moving uh-huh. all around. And the person that notices it first is my wife. <laughs> and she will recognize something's not quite right. You need time. You, know, you need space. And that's a gift um, because it, she's, she's right. And, and I do. But then that means I've got to make adjustments. And that's not all, always easy to do because we've flooded our days with so much yeah. noise, um, which I know you guys all get that uh-huh. very, very clearly. Yeah. Anything we, we haven't talked about as it relates to rest or silent retreats or prayer or meditation that you'd love to you know, share or ask a question about? I think I just, um, I had never memorized sections of scripture before. Mm-hmm. And I read some articles about it and I thought, oh, and I just felt led to do that. And I just am really stunned at how much that has changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm, I definitely ruminate and worry. Mm-hmm. My mind is very hyperactive too. Mm-hmm. And giving my mind something to hold. There's a mm-hmm. saying in India that the way that you train an elephant is you give it a little stick to carry. <laughs> and when that elephant's walk in, then you can train it, you know, and it's not getting into trouble. And it's like, okay, that's, that's the way my mind is. If yeah. I can give it something good to hold on to, something that is absolutely true, undeniably true, Mm -hmm. that is living and active. And actually, as I hold on to it, 
transforms me mm-hmm. and convicts me. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking around with the scripture in my mind and I can feel myself, I don't want to think about that right now. Mm. Very convicting, like I feel myself pulling away from it. Mm-hmm. But then it becomes like a pair of, uh, like lenses yeah. that you can look through the world with. And that's, you can rest on the run when you're uh, doing that too. And it's just a part of your life and it's kind of running in the background. So that's just something that's been so, so powerful. Mm-hmm. I would just commend that. And it doesn't have to be big portions, but just how valuable scripture can be to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. You know, because this is going to air the beginning of summer 2022, yeah. um, and people often are tired, they're tired. I mean, I, yeah. I know you're tired from the school year. I'm tired. I'm so yeah. ready for carpools to be over. And <laughs> I drive, you know, my daughter to school each day. It is a, it's a 40 to, to an hour, you know, round trip, depending on the traffic. And which can be good in the car. It's certainly great with her. I love. I really love that time. But it's you know still a lot. Yeah. And um, people have talked about. It. So how could I change my life? And it's interesting. Like with my rhythms of the summer, I watch people do exactly what they shouldn't. It's like okay, we have summer, and then they just cram it full mm. of so much stuff, so many noises. Then when you say something like. You know, well, maybe you memorize scripture. Oh, I didn't also, need to add it to the. Uh, no, no, no. So, but that, no, I'm, I'm glad you did. <laughs> add because it to the she's list. squirmishing right now. Um, we, we need to put the right things that we need in front oh. of us. And what I want people to hear is it's not hard oh. or overwhelming yeah. to memorize scripture unless you see it that way. Oh. And my point is start slow. Oh, yeah, yeah. A verse. Right. Psalm 4610. Um, Psalm 100 is not too long. You can memorize Psalm 100. You don't have to memorize large swaths, but you can. And actually, sometimes it's easier to to memorize long sections of narrative as opposed to just little verses all apart. But this is not something that you're trying to uh, check the box on and suddenly say, okay, I've got all these scriptures memorized, so now I'm kind of a you know, a little bit more superb of a Christian. No, this is this is taking the living word, putting it in your, in your heart. One thing that I do, and I've done this for a long time, is every morning I read Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter of the Bible, but it's broken up into eight verse sections according to the Hebrew alphabet. Every morning I read one of those eight verse sections. I've done this for over a decade. And there's mornings I've missed, but not many. And then every morning I take one of those verses, sometimes just a word from one of those verses, and I let that be the way I start my morning Mm. in prayer for my own heart and mind, for my children, for my wife, and for the church. So, for example, I might read, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. So think about that. That's Psalm 119. I don't know exactly which verse. Um, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. So what that psalmist is saying is, God, I'm dependent upon you to enlarge my heart. And when you enlarge my heart, I'm going to run in the way of your commandments. So think about how that turns a morning of who knows what all is on the list to do and all the other things with the children I have and my wife and the church suddenly there's a directive of, okay, I'm going to ask the Lord to enlarge their heart that they may run in the way of his commandments. The next day, I'm going to read through the same thing, and it might be, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Okay, just a few verses down from the one I just quoted. And all of a sudden, those little 
just little bitty rhythms began to shape the way that I read the rest of scripture um, and pray, and it kind of sets the course for the day. So there's little things that we can do that don't have to feel like a huge burden. Yeah. So if you're this summer thinking, how could I have more time alone, or how could I begin to meditate on scripture? Start small, take it easy, just very slow, ask the Lord to give you guidance. But I, I think the Psalms are a great place to start. We all have mentioned that. And um, like you, Mary, almost always it's a psalm or somewhere in the Psalms, along with something else maybe, but the Lord will take me. And um, I think it's really, really powerful. Any other thoughts about that or anything else? It's been great. I hope this has been encouraging to you all. It kind of stirs up memories of, ah. So before we close, I do want to highlight that we do have silent retreats coming this fall. I think, Mary, you said you just registered today or yesterday because it came online for people to register. Yeah. So when is the women's uh, silent retreat? The women's silent retreat is this fall, November 9th through 13th. You're good. I didn't even know that. I knew we had one, but you, you know. I think it's a Wednesday through Sunday. That's right. Uh-huh. And then the men's is going to be... A, a Wednesday through Sunday. They, they changed it, yeah, just a oh. little bit. And then the men's is going to be in, the la- I think, the last week of September. And we'd love for you to go. Occasionally, we also do couples silent retreats. I know you've been on one of those. Mm-hmm. and um, Those are a lot of fun. They are. And people are like, how do you do that? Yeah. Well, that's for another podcast. <laughs> I actually think we are going to maybe talk about that with one of them, which I think will be really sweet. If you're interested in finding out about that, you can go to our website, pcpc.org. But you can also go to deeplight at pcpc.org as well. Um, There's a lot of different videos and and various podcasts on all sorts of topics that we've done this year, from mental health to relationships. It's it's a very encouraging time. And what we want is just for you to witness, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ who are being honest and transparent about the journey, the sweetness of it, the difficulties of it. We want you to know none of us have it all together, but we certainly feel the love of the Lord. And that's why we love to hold out Christ who it's by his grace that we can experience the things that he has promised us. I'm very, very thankful for each of you first for saying yes to go on those retreats. And so you've been now leaders on those retreats, um, which is really sweet. And um, we know that that's just going to continue to happen. Hundreds of people in our body have gone now. And I, I can only think of one or two who have said, I'll never do it again. <laughs> They're just like, it was just so hard. So, you know, we'll see. But think about how many people have said the opposite. This was transformational, including me. Uh, every time. Well, God bless each of you and thanks again Thank for joining you us. So bless you all. I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Deep Light podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. We would love for you to be our guest this Sunday morning as we gather together for worship at 8, 9.30, or 11 a.m. We are located in the Uptown Dallas area at the corner of Oaklawn Avenue and Wycliffe Avenue. To find out more, please visit pcpc.org.